Yo, this is Rob Harvilla from 60 Saws That Explain the 90s, the world's greatest loopy and perverse and inaccurately named music nostalgia podcast. We're doing 90 songs now because there's too many songs. Pearl Jam, Jay-Z, Jewel, U2, Cher, Hootie. These are just some of the names people yell at me on the internet because we're back. More great songs, more rad special guests, more loopy perversity. Join us once more on 60 Songs That Explain the 90s every Wednesday on Spotify. It's the Ringer NBA show presented by FanDuel. The road to the NBA Finals starts now, and FanDuel is the best place to get in on the action. Right now, you can check out the new and improved Quick Bets, which are back and better than ever for the NBA playoffs on FanDuel. Find out what you're looking for faster and easier with more props right at your fingertips. You can check out Live bets like three-minute markets and exclusive live bets like quarter player props, player assist combos, and more. So download the app today and bet with FanDuel, official partner of the NBA. The Ringer is committed to responsible gaming. Please visit rg-help.com to learn more about the resources and helplines available. And listen to the end of the episode for additional details. Must be 21 years and older, 18 and older in D.C., and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit rg-help.com. This episode is brought to you by Arby's. Arby's better not catch you slacking on snacking with their new two-for-five-dollar chicken wraps. And your choice of ranch, barbecue, honey, mustard, and a bonus flavor called Incredible Value. You can't taste it, but boy, is it sweet. Arby's two-for-five-dollar chicken wraps are here for a limited time at participating locations. Visit an Arby's near you or order ahead on the Arby's app. <laughs> What's poppin'? Logan Murdoch here, Raja Bell there. Raja came on the program. He is a proponent of midday naps. How you feeling right now, Ra? You just you just you just you just got up. I when you got on the Zoom, I thought that I thought that, you know, the West Coasters on the Mondays are usually the ones that are kind of getting back into gear and stuff. And then you come on the platform and you over here like, What's up? What's popping, Ron? How you doing? Yeah, no, I'm good. It wasn't midday. It was mid-morning, and I had taken my kids to school. And I was up last night just trying to catch up on some of those games. You know, I, I don't get to watch them all live because some of them are hella late. So I went to sleep. And so I was up. I was up uh, late catching some games that I hadn't caught the end of. And I was sitting around like, yo, I, I'm going to just take a little nap. And it's power about nap. an hour ago, a little power nap. I woke up and I'm a little groggier than I thought I'd be. I thought it would be more like rejuvenating. And I'm just, yeah, I'm just a little slow to it right now. That's all. I think I got, I think I got a topic that will rejuvenate both of us. Um, today. <laughs> um, it was a bit of a weekend uh, for the Brooklyn Nets. And I said, I think either last episode or the episode before didn't really want to talk about the Brooklyn Nets right they're not they're not a you know we don't know where they are as a team right now it's early in the season was taking a basketball lens towards the Brooklyn Nets you know they they haven't they haven't uh you know a lot of a lot of offseason changes you know some turmoil they have to get over so it's just it's not it's not the right time to judge them and then and then you know Kyrie uh first he tweeted and then he stepped to the podium Raja um, first he tweeted some, some, uh, a, a, f- a film with some anti-Semitic, uh, um, topics in it. And then, um, you know, he, uh, he went, played a game and he was asked about his tweet, which, uh, 
which drew the ire of his even the owner of his basketball team um and you know so many groups and then he went back and forth and all of these things this is my thing Raja and I don't want to get too much into like the topics that he tweeted about or um you know we could get into you know his response to said things but my thing with with Kyrie is it's always something and not in a good way it's always just you know just one of those guys that when that it's always you always have at least like one of those guys on your team right usually it's a young guy you know but there's it's always something with this person why what why does it always have why does Kyrie always have to to be that guy and where do the nets go from here raja where where what are we doing right now where do they go from here it's an interesting question um because it's really early and I think even Nets ownership and and management knows that this was going to take a, a a bit of time to to gel and you have guys coming back off of whole seasons missed in multiple parts of your team, Joe Harris and Ben Simmons and and so the jury was going to be out on them for a huge chunk of the first half of this season, right? I think that would have been a prudent thing for for the people um, of importance in the Brooklyn front offices to, to, to think we're going to have to make an, uh, we're going to have to make a determination on this, maybe a quarter of the way into the season, a third of the way into the season. It'd be too early anytime before that. But it's interesting because it's a recurring theme with this now with the distraction of this. And again, I, I think you're right. I don't, I don't want to touch the, the content necessarily. This just becomes every year. There's something going on. And they're, they're distractions. And in the past, at times, they've been insurmountable. And so it just throws a monkey wrench in the way you look at evaluating this team because that now has to be a factor. You were hoping that wasn't a factor this year. You were hoping that this could be purely about basketball, purely about on-court chemistry, um, purely about ability to affect wins and losses. And I think, you know, now when you've got your, you got your owner having to come out, it's a bigger distraction than I think even we're making, making it out to be this early in the season for, for a team that has, has been just disrupted year after year with destructions. And for a player, quite frankly, who always seems to be at the root of them. And this isn't, this isn't, a Kyrie bash session at all, but it's just, it is what it is. Some people are magnets for stuff like that. They're polarizing in that way. They've, they've always got something going on. And so I just feel bad, man. I watched my man leave the tunnel the other night and just, just utter frustration and slam. I know, I know Steve, I've known Steve a long time. I've known him a long time. When I saw him blow up the other night at that official and and lose his mind the way he did. I know that's in him. See, he he carries himself really well. And most people don't see the super fiery competitor. But trust, you don't become a player that's accomplished the things that he's accomplished unless you're an uber competitor, right? So for anyone saying like, oh my God, like that's not, that's not completely out of character for him to care that much. But he's usually under control enough to not let anyone see it. And he, and he, and he hides it. And 
when I saw him lose his stuff, man, I was like, damn, dude, like that's. And then I then there were the clips of him coming out of the tunnel. He looked really frustrated and and. I don't know where you go. I don't know. I just think it's it's messy. And, and if, if this is going to be a headache that we have to worry about, you know, lingering into the year, it's just messiness. Um, I don't know. I feel bad, man. I feel bad for, you know, I, just, I, I feel bad. It's just, Raja, we're not even in November yet. That's the biggest thing, man. It's like, Halloween, man. It's Halloween, dude. Like, what are we... I just... Because we all we've talked about this just in general with early seasons. You're trying to figure yourself out as a basketball team. You're trying to work habits in, right? You're trying to, um, you're trying to just figure out what you're going to be this season, right? And become a team. And I will say this, and it's not, and it's not just the what just happened with Kyrie just now as like the root of his issues with this team. There's also like we, we kind of swept this under the rug because again, we didn't want to talk about the Nets too early this season, but you see clips like Kyrie tr- calling himself trying to hold other players accountable, like Ben Simmons telling him to shoot the bar. He can't foul out. How do you act like how do you be you can't be a leader like this when you're doing other shit that's distracting from the common goal, you know? And I know that the Nets said, uh, the Nets had a players meeting following their last game, which we uh, a players meeting the first month of the season just isn't isn't great, no matter how you slice it, and those things never work. Nope. Um, nope. But my thing is this, though. When you, when you, hmm, I'm just I'm gathering a lot of thoughts here, but when you have these many problems early in the season and the root of it is one guy, you could say all those things like how KD is saying, this isn't affecting the locker room, this isn't affecting it. I'm not in the locker room, but it it's is. definitely affecting the it locker is. room. There's it's no, there's 100%. no way. Yeah. It's 100%. And now, it might not affect the locker room on surface level. You might not walk into their locker room and look around and be able to feel a different energy coming from different people because of these type of incidents or this specific incident. That's not how it necessarily affects a locker room. It's not as superficial as that. It's not right there, but everyone has, everyone has an amount of emotional bandwidth, right? Like there's a, there's that, that, you know, things that you can absorb of emotions that you can give out and take in and vibrate off of you. And there's only everyone, it's like an odometer on a car. Every car is, is different, right? There's no set number. There's no set amount of shit that you can take before it's too much, right? So we're all walking around with these varied degrees of emotional bandwidth. And in an organization, any sports organization, especially, you know, in these professional leagues, um, there's so many things that are trying to be sorted out within an organization. There's so many players. There's so many staff members. There's so many moving parts that a lot of a coach or a general manager or coaches emotional bandwidth is spent like and ration portioned out so that they can get by, bro. You know, like yeah. oh, man, I'm gonna I got 10% for Logan today. Hopefully his problems aren't and that's huge, just on right? an average team. Right. That's just on that's an average on an, team. That's on an average team. And so I would make the case that in Brooklyn, because of where they are as a team in this process and coming off of last year, um, you've got more going on than normal. That, that everyone is kind of expending emotional bandwidth on. And it's natural. It's not, 
It's nothing to to point a finger at. It's it, there's no blame game going on with it. It's just the the price of doing business, right? But when you have to now start spending some of that <laughs> on on situations like this and dealing with the the fallout of this, and now we're rushing people to media sessions, and now we have to shut down media sessions, and now as a general manager, I got to call Steve in and say, hey, Steve, do you see what happened with Kyrie today? Kyrie and the media are into it again. Just just be aware. If you're asked the question, here's how we want to approach that. If they ask X, Y, and Z, you shut that down. That's just taking emotional capital out. It's just draining me. Like you're taking away bandwidth for shit that I could be using somewhere else more productively. And that's how it starts to affect the locker room. Can you dig what I'm saying? It puts people more on edge. It saps people. So now a normal, benign conversation between Steve Nash or any other coach or Sean Marks and any other player that would normally be like, hey, man, I don't want to really necessarily have this conversation with you right now, but I have more than enough in reserve to hold hold my tongue, let you bounce this off of me if you're unhappy. absorb it, come back to you in a rational way that would that would keep the ball moving forward. I can't now do that because I'm fried because of all the <laughs> shit that I've been dealing with. And so now I lash back out at you. Yeah. Right? Like I didn't I didn't give you the response that would have been best for the team. And now a snowball effect has started, right? So now you're back in the locker room. Bear with me. And and you're a little bit on edge because this conversation didn't go great. Right. And mm. uh, and I approach you on some shit that you normally might be like, Raj, come on with that bullshit, man. Like we don't. But now you're fried. And so you lash out at me and now you and yeah. I are beefing and that's how it works. So you can't afford for all of these distractions to be creeping in and steal an emotional bandwidth, bro. This episode is brought to you by Arby's. It's 3 p.m. and dinner is still hours to come. Maybe lunch didn't quite hit the spot. That's where the new two-for-five-dollar chicken wraps from Arby's come in. Available in ranch, barbecue, and honey mustard. They're perfect for the afternoon snack attack or as an add-on to your meal. Arby's two-for-five-dollar chicken wraps are here for a limited time at participating locations. Visit an Arby's near you or order ahead on the Arby's app. This episode is supported by State Farm. Man, I remember when I first got into a car accident. It was pure frustration because I did not have State Farm. And now that I do have State Farm, it is an exclamation of pure joy. But the only words that you need to remember are, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. State Farm has options to fit your unique insurance needs, meaning you can talk to your agent to choose the coverage you need, have coverage options to protect the things you value most, file a claim right on the State Farm mobile app, and even reach a real person when you need to talk to someone. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Learn more at statefarm.com. Because you've been around Kyrie. Do you think that he consciously knows this? Because every time, it, this is every single stop he's been at, right? Where the, the emotional bandwidth to some degree is fried by the end of the, by the, end of the time. I, I don't know about Cleveland necessarily, but at, you know, there were reports that in Boston, um, I mean, the emotional bandwidth last year with the Nets was just fried, you know, just at, the, at that point. Do you think he consciously knows these things that he's doing this or like, what is the cycle normally with Kyrie? Is it, I'm going to go do so. I'm going to say some wild stuff. I'm going to reel it back, get my teammates in back of my corner. Like what is the, what is usually the cycle when Kyrie goes through a 
you know, something like this. Kyrie is not a bad guy. At all. You may or may not agree with some of his opinions or some of his theories or conspiracy theories, but at his heart, I don't believe him to be a bad dude. Kyrie is very Kyrie-centric. So, does he do it on purpose knowing that this is not, not really, but he doesn't really care, if that makes sense. So, he's just going to do what he wants to do when he wants to do it without any real concern for what it's going to do to the team. And this is leadership. And this is why he, he, he didn't really affect emotional bandwidth in Cleveland that way because LeBron, and this is what LeBron doesn't get credit for enough, LeBron makes sure that everything is in line. All people are in line with LeBron's vision and LeBron's culture. So, you know, there's not a whole ton of a lot of things, you know, outside of the, the scope of playing basketball that coaches have to deal with, that general managers have to deal with. Sure, they got to figure out, the, you know, the player situation, are we trading, so on and so forth. But you rarely get a ton of, of distractions. Like that's what, you know, Westbrook's kind of unique in that regard. LeBron usually has people kind of, you know, on the same page with him. And he handles that. And Kyrie was like that. Because when you have LeBron, who if 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 a young Kyrie is going to defer to anyone and be in line for anyone, who's it going to be? It's going to be LeBron. It's going to be LeBron. And so to some degree he was. And then he began to kind of outgrow that, right? In his mind. And that's when he started wanting to leave. But he's not a leader. He's not. He's a brilliant basketball player. But he doesn't really care. This was a very long answer to your short question. He, he doesn't care. So he just does what he does with no concern with how that's going to reverberate around the organization or what the ramifications are going to be for the people that will have to answer the questions for him every day, because that's what it, you know, that's a thing. Why the fuck I got to get up there? I don't want to go in on a fucking Monday as, as, as Joe Harris. And I'm not speaking for Joe Harris. I'm just using him as an example. Like I had a great weekend. I didn't do shit. I was enjoying my time, trying to get healthy, ready to play some ball. And here I go, got to answer anti-Semitic questions about fucking Kyrie Irving. <laughs> I don't want to do that shit. <laughs> yeah. And so he doesn't care. And so he's not really a leader. And so that's why I said, and that's why it's even funnier when you were talking about like Kyrie trying to take the position of leadership. Don't. Just follow. Just, just get in line and just follow. But the thing is though, the thing is though with that is he's in it like, now, it's the difference in organizations, though, right? You spoke about LeBron, and also that was a specific time in Kyrie's life. He was a young dude, right? So it might have been easier for him to fall in line for someone else's leadership. For sure. But there's also the Nets organization where a lot of their quote-unquote leaders are passive people, right? Like, are just like, oh, we're going to crowdsource. We're going to um, we're gonna work together. And they see Kyrie in a different light. They see him as a face of a franchise um, and taking all these responsibilities that, you know, they, that sh- he, they should not. They should not. They but, should that's not. What, but, but that's what they, happens when, but, but you, but it's, here's the thing though. When Kyrie, but it was just about the way that how Kyrie came to Brooklyn. He came as like, I'm doing you guys a favor, right? So, he's almost emboldened to act this way. Right. And you have, you know, his, and it's a different relationship that he has with Kevin Durant that he had, than he has with the LeBron James, right. Where it's more of a partnership than a, 
nah, man, you the little homie. You tight, but you're the little homie. Now this is like we're brothers and we're co we're co leading this ship. Yeah. I mean, in theory, in a perfect world, yes. KD has to be the leader of that team. And here's where Brooklyn has has come up short. And I mean, amongst, I guess, a lot of places where they've come up short with this iteration of the Nets. They knew that KD wasn't a vocal leader. They knew that. They also knew that Kyrie wasn't going to lead because I fucking told them that. So they have failed in finding the person that can come into that locker room as a sub-level player to them and lead a character dude, someone that can come into that building. And even if he is, you know, averaging eight or nine points a game with the hellified defensive effort or rebounding effort or assist, whatever his real job is, he can be the backbone of culture setting and leading and holding people accountable because he is verbal and he's got a steady emotional state. Like you don't have that. And that's where they've come up short because it, I don't know Kevin well. I don't, but he seems to be kind of moody. And I, I've heard that he's not the most vocal in terms of leadership. And so if you've got two dudes like that, and then a bunch of guys, I mean, I, I, I kind of know the rest of those dudes. I don't know that they're they're culture-driving leader type of players. Then you failed them. Well, the thing is, though, Roger, they've been, from the moment that they signed on, or they 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 signed on. They have been emboldened to not care about authority, right? They when they got there, well, when KD got there, he signs. So Kyrie signs, and what else did they do? They said, "Oh, hey, get our homie DeAndre Jordan. We want to get him paid too. You know, we want to go get him paid. Get get give him some bread as well. Never mind what he had done in previous seasons that would justify he is not worth the contract that he did, right? But, I mean, you're worth what they give you. But still, you get what I'm saying on this, Sure. Right? So from the moment that they were that they were even stepped foot on in Brooklyn, they had the opportunity to make it in their own way. And you could see it's not worked out at all, at all. Like, we're starting to see in a lot of ways that these two – the two stars on the team would probably be more effective in other situations and have been way more effective in other situations because of what other situations have done for their personality or how they drive with their personality. Um, and now we're, we're just seeing kind of what, like what we were, we, the worst case scenario of when they signed together. Cause I remember when they signed to Brooklyn, both Katie and Kyrie, they were both of like, uh, Okay, but their talent suggests that they could do something special. But when you right. kind of layer it back, this thing never really had a chance in hindsight, right? Like it's it, it never really had a chance because you embolden you embolden two players to make it in their own light, and it's not a partnership. This was never a partnership, and that's it's pretty sad when you when you look at how it's come because no one is winning in this scenario, no one. No, it's it is unfortunate that it's played out like this, and I don't mean to make it sound like the reason where where we are is because of Brooklyn brass. That's 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 not necessarily it. I mean, they're culpable, but you know, Kyrie and Kevin are equally as culpable. And so, like, you know, in any relationship, when you when you are starting out in that, 
like for my my young son Dia, for example, like he's just getting out there, man. He's he, you know, he's growing up a little bit. He's out in the world. He's got friends, and you know, some of his friends came at him sideways the other day for something he chose to do without them. And I said to Dia, I said, "Hey, man, do you is is that are you okay with that? Like, do you enjoy um being being spoken to or?" or harassed the way you're harassed? Does that make you feel good for having someone question your decisions like that? And he was like, no. I said, well, this is really early in your relationship. You need to check that shit. You need to check it right now. And you need to make it known that they can either be cool with you and you can continue to be friends and all of that, but they got to respect your boundaries or then you don't need to be friends with them. And that was my advice to him. But that's my advice to the Nets too. Hey man, this is is the way it's going to be. I don't give a shit. I don't care. Like, these are our parameters. And we're going to, this is how we're going to, for as much as the Kyrie, the Kevin Durant, the LeBrons, the the greats want to do things their way, do you know what they also respect? What's that? Structure. Yeah. Limits. Boundaries. They They respect that. They might not always love it, but they respect it. And I feel like as a parent, You know, if you forgive me for vacillating between these two scenarios, like I feel as a parent, my job isn't to always be your friend and make you feel good and tell you something that you like. My job is to try to help you get where you're trying to go. And sometimes those are hard conversations. Sometimes there's some structure in, you know, in that conversation. And there's some there's some penalties for the shit that you do outside of the scope of what I told you was going to be allowed to happen under the roof. And I don't think Brooklyn's done a good job. So now. You've got kind of chaos like that, right? We've got chaos, but I will take it back to this again, where they, where it has gone wrong. Cause I do think it could have worked from a talent perspective. And I know sure. this cause I had these conversations. You when needed, were these conversations, Ra? When were you, when did, just over the years? These conversations were, were before they even went to training camp for the first time. It's mm. when a staff was being assembled in Brooklyn. Yeah. And we were talking about the makeup of the roster and I had way more experience with, with Kyrie and Steve had way more experience with KD. So this is when you were like thinking about going to the staff. Basically. Absolutely. We're just, yeah. And we're just kind of talking out how Steve wants to play, what his philosophy is going to look like, um, how exciting some of the pieces are on the roster. What else do you think we would need? Like we're having these conversations as I'm pacing my backyard around the pool. I was excited. You know, this was cool shit. And one of the things that we came to after, after talking for a while was the need for that type of player. The names that came up at the time were like Andre Iguodala or, or um, PJ Tucker. Names, names like that, not necessarily those guys, but those were some of the names of a guy that could come in and had the kind of gravitas, maybe had a little bit of tread left on the tire where he could actually get out there because you have to, right? It can't just be somebody sitting over there. It's got to be somebody in the trenches with you, but would, would come in and provide that type of steady, stable leadership, um, professional, grown-up accountability. And they just haven't been able to find the piece. And that's unfortunate because I do think that that piece would have meant a whole lot to this process, more than more than I can even articulate on this podcast. It would have meant a lot because they are both brilliant players. But they're both 
individuals, man. They're indie. They're indie guys. They you take either one of them and put them on a team with real established culture and and they don't have to be the one that that answers every question or the buck stops with them every night and you get a different human being out of both of them, I'm sure. That's that's just interesting you said that because, I mean, Kevin obviously had that in Golden State and Kyrie had that to a large extent in Cleveland, right? But this is the this is what's interesting. Just about, I guess, human beings or players in general, some people just aren't satisfied with their position for better or worse, right? They're just like like... like for whatever reason, Kevin did not like the structure of Golden State, and it was it was uh, it was untenable for him to stay there, right? Um, and you know, there's always a human nature of, man, I got to get out of this situation. I got I got it's going to be better. I go to Brooklyn or I go to New York. It's probably going to be better than this. I just can't take this anymore. And then, or Kyrie thinking, because I don't think I've ever seen LeBron just say, to, "This is probably the only time where I've ever seen LeBron say." I guess he's saying this now with Anthony Davis. This is not happening. But like, I'm giving you the franchise. I want to see you ha- take this and and make this into your own vision. I think that's what like what LeBron was saying to Kyrie. It just didn't work out that way. But I've never seen LeBron do that, right? And then he goes like, "No, no, I can't do this anymore. I can't be under under this, and I need to go somewhere else." Right? Goes to Boston and then comes here. Are we just seeing? A, another example of the gla- grass is just not always greener. Yeah, that's exactly yes, that's exactly what what that is. Um, and we all all humans go through that transition of being a son or a daughter or a nephew or a niece or a grand whatever, and 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 growing and getting older and feeling like. Hey, I could take on more of this responsibility and I can handle some of these things. And, and that's let healthy me, too. Yeah, that's, it's yeah, yeah, healthy, yeah. yeah, for sure. Let me help you. You know, some of these bills now are mine to pay. Like, let me, let me, you know, carry more of my weight around the house as I grow up and do some things for mom and dad. And, or, and then, you know, you, you, you get out of school and you got a job and now, now, you know, the dynamic shifts, you know, what happened with me and my dad, where it's more, you know, my dad and I are, we're both grown men now. And, and, you know, and then there comes a point where, you know, you, 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 you I, I'm, I'm younger. My dad's older. Like there's still real reverence and I love my dad. He's all like, my dad is my everything, man. But, but more of the stuff kind of revolves around our family now because we're the younger family, you know? Yeah. And so that happens. But when you're, when you are in the, the younger stages in the development stages and you have a really solid person. And thankfully my dad was that and my mom was that for me. And I'm sure, you know, you had that as well, but when you have those figures, you have to do everything you can to learn from them. Mm-hmm. And you have to, you know, you have to learn those lessons and take the things that you like about it and maybe change the things that you don't like about it and be always tinkering with what you're going to be when you get the helm. And I don't think I, you know, I don't think Kyrie really did that. In, in underneath LeBron, and so it's he was okay just ready to, to jump ship. Was he just he, always ready to jump ship? You think? I don't. Or, or, or? I don't know because I didn't have those conversations. In fairness to Kyrie, but but if you know, I always talk about what what the Aaron McKees and the Eric Snows and the Dikembe Mutombo's and the Michael Finleys and the Nick Van Exels and the George Lynch's and the the Popeye Jones and the Avery Johnsons. What what they did for me, teaching me how to be a pro. I watched them. Mm-hmm. I studied that. 
Now, my game wasn't going to look like theirs. I mean, I was a different person. And I, I would fail in some regards and succeed in other regards in imitating them. But how to be a pro is what I was trying to figure out. How does a kid who was never, ever given shit in terms of an accolade on a basketball court, how does he figure out how to be a 10-year NBA pro? How can I make this work? And so I made it my mission to watch those dudes and figure that shit out. Yeah. And I don't, I don't think he did that. I don't think he said, oh, God, I might have the best leader and the best culture driver in, in ever. Yeah. And let me soak all of this in. And so then when I am ready to have my own team, I hit the floor. He didn't, I don't, it doesn't look like he did that. Yeah. I, I, we can go out. I'm sure we'll have a lot more this season to talk about Kyrie, but I do want to put a bow on it for today. If you're the Brooklyn Nets right now. Can I just, can I just say something though? Yeah. Just before yeah, you go. Yeah, go ahead, go ahead. Yeah, Again, ahead. because this was Ky- Kyrie-centric and, and everything like that, I, I there's no general beef with Kyrie. Again, I think he's yeah. a, a solid human being. We're talking about leadership. When you get put in the big boy seat of an organization, there are things that you have to provide in order for that organization to reach its goals. And in that context... I stand by everything I just said. It's one thing to to see that big boy chair and to go to see it, you know, like especially in Cleveland, you know, and you see kind of like how and I think Kyrie's alluded to this in the past, but you see how how LeBron kind of carries himself, right? And he kind of as a leader, I'm going to be honest with you, just in my short time being like I've I've been around LeBron, but I haven't been around around LeBron. But in the times that I've been around and you go into their locker room pregame and things like that, he kind of makes that make that shit look easy, man. Like he, but he's in, for a guy that is in charge of every single thing that happens in that locker room, he makes it look easy to a to a teammate that's like, man, I could do that. I could, I could do that. You know, I, I can I can, you know, get the dinners ready, make sure I make the playlist, get get like get team dinner outings and 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 and, you know, just bring a team together. I could do that. I could do that if it was my show, you know? And, but I've seen with Kyrie, to get, he's gotten to that table where he's a franchise guy. And you could see that he probably thought he could do it. And it's not, it's not bearing out right now. It's just the bottom line right now. Right. And you know what the beauty of, of this is? Still change it. Could still change it. I mean, I, you know, Tigers really changed their stripes. But you could. You could. In theory, you could. And here's another thing, and I know this wasn't about LeBron, but let me just say this. Like, great, great people tend to do this. Dudes who, you know, just are uber successful people. They don't always care if they're the smartest in the room or coming off like they're the smartest in the room. They surround themselves with people who are smarter than them that can that can be fountains to their to, to their soul that can help them problem solve in ways that maybe their third eye, forgive me, can't, isn't open to, you know, and then you empower and you trust them. And so I've always said that I'm a LeBron fan on the court. I, I love everything he does, but I'm more of a fan of the, 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 the way he moves off the court with his brain trust. And yeah, they, like sometimes they, they get, you know, a, a bad rap for manipulating things and stuff like that. But like, 
that, that in and of itself is brilliant. Being able to move pieces around the chessboard of an NBA that that players, especially young black men, have never ever been historically able to do. That's a that's a win. And yeah. so he's surrounded himself with really, really smart, laser focused um, people that help him and help help take a lot of back to this emotional bandwidth off of him because they're able to handle some of that stuff and he can drive in his lane yeah, and he can handle all the stuff that falls under his umbrella. And so I just think he's special in that. And I think aside from the basketball part, when he leaves and he's done, I think in terms of, of leadership, I mean, people are going to miss that. You're going to look back and be like, Jesus, we didn't appreciate that. Yeah, for sure. I do want to bring put a bow on this. Shout out to LeBron, but I do want to I want to put a bow on this Nets situation. I have a question, real question, because I I have what I would do in this situation, but I want to get your take first. When you when if you're the Brooklyn Nets front office at this point of the season, we only have one win. I think they're like one and five. They played the a Pacers tonight. Do you just consider? I'm just going to trade. At both, I'm just going to trade both of my guy, these guys and just get on with it and get picks or get what I got to get and just cut bait. We've proven that we are a, a front office who can win with less talent and just start over. No. Do you, no? Okay. I don't because you didn't prove that with this, this iteration of your organization. There's so many things that have changed in that building. You, mm. you, had, you had different people at the top. You had different people. So no, I, I I wouldn't. I mean, I, at this point, I would again still see what we what we look like um, in fifteen more games. You know, 12, 15 more games. I want to know what what we're going to look like before I start doing anything like that. Um, I don't know. What about you, bro? What do you? I mean, what's your, I, what's your thought? I th- I mean, I'm of the mind that you might want to just. I think you should. <laughs> I do you think what because Sorry. I think you should cut bait because okay. I don't think that I mean you might be a little bit more optimistic than I am but I don't think that this is getting any, t- any better anytime soon. I mean we're like I said we're not even in November yet. We've already had the off season if you, an off season from hell if you're a front office. You you had these trade requests and all these things going on. You try to make it happen in the first few weeks of the season. It's you be and you're trying to do it on the low, and then this this thing happens over the weekend. It's the biggest story in the NBA, and nothing from the past suggests that this is going to continue to work. There's there's nothing. I can't I argue. I, I can't argue with anything. <laughs> <laughs> there's nothing. It's just like you know what I'm saying. It's just like when you're about to, this. This has all the makings of when you're about to break up with your partner or something like that. And you, there's those little times where you conv- keep convincing yourself that it's going to be okay and it's going to do good. And we're going to, and the, everyone else sees that the writing is on the wall and you just break up with shorty. You know what I'm saying? That's what this seems like. And I just feel like we're, what are you going to know in a month that you don't already know now? Yeah. You're not going to uh, give Kyrie an extension after all of these things that are happening. You know, Kevin's already said that he might, tr- he already has expressed that he would want to trade at some point. What are we doing? I don't. I just don't see a path to the success at, under the current iteration of what's going on right now. So th- that's fair. And and I, while I don't have a real argument for any of it, I would just my caveat to what I said would be I, I wouldn't just blow it up just to blow it up. Now, if the right if the right deal came along, I wouldn't be afraid to move pieces. 
mm-hmm. if that makes sense, right? So maybe I should clarify that. I'm not just saying our right, shit. I quit. Like let's let's give me what you got. Uh, if if you come if you step to me correct with something that makes a lot of sense for my franchise, I would not be afraid if I were Brooklyn. But I wouldn't be out there. I I think there's time. I don't think you have to do that. Man, it's tough times in Brooklyn, man. I'm a, a, all 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 the Brooklyn fans, man. We feel for you, dog. Let's let's take a quick break. We're gonna talk about a success story in the Eastern Conference. This episode is brought to you by Visible Wireless. Want a wireless provider that always brings its A game? Switch to Visible, the wireless company that makes wireless visible. Get a one-line plan with unlimited 5G data powered by Verizon as low as $25 a month every month, taxes and fees included. And as if that wasn't already a huge win, you could use promo code RINGER20 to receive $20 off your first month just for listening to us talk about basketball. Not bad, right? You don't need more than one line of wireless to save. Just switch to Visible at Visible.com and use promo code RINGER20. For data management practices and additional terms, visit Visible.com. The Visible monthly rate is $25 per month. And we are back. Honestly, Roger, just for the next, this next to last segment, we just went so hard on the Kyrie stuff. I just want to give flowers. I want to give flowers to um, to Kobe Altman, who was, you know, overseen just a a uh, just a what would it say Cleveland Renaissance. They're five and one right now. They just beat the the uh, the New York Knicks. What do you think about this this Cleveland team um, and where where they can go? Man, they had a really good offseason, Got down to Mitchell into the fold, um, and it's 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 funny because we talked about what. I always, I always think about this with teams, right, who are trying to build. And they build, this has been like the new age on how you build a team, which is we're going to get a whole bunch of, you know, we're going to do really good in the front office. We're going to draft well. We're going to do all these things. And if we get a chance, we're going to get a superstar or a star to co-sign this movement that we're doing, right? And that ha- we talked about the Nets and how that could go wrong. How is it? Go- it's gone just so much better for the Cleveland Cavaliers so far, right? And I guess that's the guys that you bring in. But what have you thought about the, the job that Kobe Altman has done? I think I think Kobe's done a fantastic job. Um, and I do think that success through a process like the Cavs have been going through, while you have to give some to the players for sure, um, it has to kind of be equally parsed out to management. And the culture established in the building uh, and around the town and in the locker rooms. Um, And I, Kobe, I spent a lot of time with Kobe when I was on uh, David Griffin's staff there in Cleveland. And he's a really good down to earth dude, super bright, had basketball in his background on a lot of levels uh, and had a great feel for it and a great feel for people. He was really good with people. Um, And I think, I think that's part of it. And I don't think you can underestimate how much a part of it that is. Now, you know, definitely some shrewd moves, some really good draft picks, um, you know, being able to swoop in when none of us saw the Donovan Mitchell to Cleveland um, card being played, but there there he was. And so, you know, obviously very good at his job there with the the nuts and bolts of, of the job, but the behind the scenes management of people, making people feel wanted and important and part of the family, I think is, uh, I think is really cool. And then, you know, he's got 
another guy in Mike Gansey. I want to give a shout out to Mike Gansey, who was on the staff. I think he was their G League affiliate GM when I was there. Um, played at West Virginia, Cleveland guy, but he's the assistant GM. I mean, he's the head GM now and Kobe is president or something like that. But anyway, they've got a really good staff of guys that are good, that work hard, that grind, but our basketball guys played, um, were around the game and are great people. People, forgive me. <laughs> that has, great, great people, people is an people. actual thing. That's an yeah. actual thing to say, yes. And then you know who I want to give a shout out to straight up? Who's that? Fucking Kevin Love, man. Mm. Kevin Love. There's been a lot of movement around there with younger players. He's been through, he's been through different highs and lows as a Cav. Um, he's had frustrations. Um, he's had successes, but he's still there. He's still standing solid 20, 20 minutes a game, roughly 12 points a game, eight boards. And you would be naive. If you didn't think that his voice and his leadership was playing, wasn't playing a huge part in what's going on there too, so I want to give a shout out to to K Love. That makes sense. What is this? What is what the Cavs done kind of say about team building in this in this era? Right, like what is the perfect way to team build if you can draw it up, Raj? Is it is it drafting, getting good guys in the building? If you were in that in that front office, how does that front office? go and how what does that say about how you should or should not build a team in the, in the NBA for the draft process the one that I went through um and the free the free agency that I went through uh, there was a emphasis put on character and I remember when we took uh I think we took Chetty Osman in that first round um, of the draft that year. Really cool experience being in the war room and and sitting there watching the picks go by and the phone ringing and stuff like that. It was a really cool experience. And Chetty's playing well. I mean, he's 26 minutes a game, probably, you know, 11 and a half points. But I remember, I think Chico, what was Chico Averbuck was maybe the scout that was on the European uh, trail. Trent Redden was out there too. But it wasn't just all about who he was as a player, you know? And and it was there was a, there was a lot that went into it in terms of, the dive into his his personal the 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 backstory on who he was the touching base with all the people around the club that he was playing for and and they felt really comfortable with him and so I, I guess and I don't get paid to do this anymore I didn't stay long enough to really learn how to do it but I would guess getting the getting the proportions right of good player to good person is really really important and if either if it's out of whack in either way, if he's a really good player and, and a slight shitbird, you might have a problem as a human being, right? A shitbird is a human being and, and a really good player. Or if he's not a great player, but he's just a great dude, you could be in trouble too. So you've got to get that recipe right. And way too often in the NBA, way too often in the NBA, you see people take the swing at the tantalizing talent and disregard the human being that you're getting and what that human being brings into your locker room. And and you rarely ever see the other one. I mean, people don't miss on hey, great guy. Well, we're they become gonna, coaches. We're gonna we're gonna throw a bag at the great guy. They become coaches, brother. Right. Fair. But a lot of people miss on the yo, man, this guy can really play. And so we're gonna like sweep some of this stuff under the rug. And 
yeah, you might get away with it sometimes, but it doesn't always work. And I think Cleveland gets that right more often than not. They find guys that have that equal parts, great player or just really solid player in whatever you're asking them to do and really good dude. I mean, we always just, we always, whenever we, and I, I know we can end on this, but we always, I think that's a lesson. We always get tantalized with the star with that, with all that, because we just want a quick fix. We want to just get, get the franchise on the right path. So we get the tantalizing talent and you forget. You need the whole package, man. You need solid dudes in the locker room, bro. Right. That's, like that's when life. you have two stars. That's life. Have, yeah, yes, yes. Because you don't want to go straight up. You want to go just to, just to, I don't know what I'm saying, but you want to just a steady rise, just continually throughout. You know, you don't want to just go up and then crash and burn and go down. Yeah, but and and even in your in your in your world, like when you're a young buck, like my mom used to tell me, man, like it's not all about the outside. You know, you got to figure out what's inside like that. That's superficial stuff. You know, like you're looking for quality and substance. You're looking for a, you're looking for equal parts. Right. Of outside and inside. That's what you're looking for. Don't 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 fool. Don't fall for that. Hey, because Raza, a lot of motherfuckers be outside too much and it fucks them up. You know, yeah. Yeah. you know, they don't have balance in their life, yeah. you know. Cause you know, well, come out, Kobe and the, you know, Kobe and the Cavs got good balance, my boy. There you go, there you go. All right, man. Well, you know what? That's the that's the um, that's the monster for this week, y'all. Stay balanced, and that's been Stay another balanced. edition of uh, Monday Real Ones. Um, we're here Mondays and Thursdays. Make sure you check us out. Um, we'll see you guys Thursday, man. See what happens, man. Maybe we might have somebody. Maybe we won't. We'll see. All right, talk to you guys soon. Holla.